Aaron, what did you have again? The Crackers at Canvas. <laughs> <laughs> Was the alternate name for the podcast, but we... <laughs> <laughs> Today, we begin a mini-series where we talk with keynote speakers about their keynote speeches, specifically entrepreneurs. What we want to do is learn skills that we can use right now in our own entrepreneurial activities. We begin with Aaron Montgomery, who we've already met. Aaron is a Harvard graduate, entrepreneur, and founder of a company called Carlots, which is essentially a consignment store for used cars. It's a genius idea. As a result, the company has become one of the fastest growing in this region, and Aaron has learned a lot of things about what to do if you want to grow really fast or what to do if you're already growing and the world is changing around you. It's good stuff. See you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Aaron Anderson. I'm here with Laura Bowser for Evolve Productions, and we're here with entrepreneur Aaron Montgomery. Most of the frameworks, when we talk about innovation or when we talk about disruption, we tend to have this hindsight methodology that says, if you look back at the innovations that have happened, here's the lesson that we learned from it. That'll never happen again, so we're good. Imagine somebody came to your door and they said, listen, I need a three by seven piece of wood, and I'll give you $20,000 if you can do it right now. You got five minutes. I said, well, what would you do? And I asked people, I look around, I see mostly blank faces, and they said, well, what time is it? I'd go to Home Depot, I'd do this, I'd do that. They come up with all kinds of ideas. I'd go out to my tool shed. I said, I just told you, I said, a guy comes to your door, says, give me a three by seven piece of wood, and I'll give you $20,000, what do you do? And everybody's stumped. And then finally, somebody says, I'd give him the door. <laughs> And then everybody who didn't guess that says, ah, oh, damn, I'd give them the door. But it's too late. <laughs> the opportunity's gone. That's how innovation comes. Carlots is a used car consignment service. So the idea that we had was, if you had a car that you wanted to sell, you could either sell it to a dealer and be insulted by the offer, or you could sell it for yourself and waste a lot of time. And if you had a car that you wanted to buy, you can go to a dealer and be insulted by the price, <laughs> or you could try to find one on Craigslist and waste a lot of time. So we said, what if we just eliminated that trade-off and just totally blocked that out and said, bring your car to us, we'll sell it for you, you'll get more money and you won't waste time, or buy your car to us and we'll sell it to you and you'll pay less money and won't waste time. So you get, the seller gets more money for their car, the buyer gets more car for their money. We were just uh, named one of the Richmond top 25 growth companies and it'd be an easy thing for us to go and collect this trophy and, and, and give a talk and you know, we've done it just five or six times now and hey, thanks. But we sent a teammate and he's only been with us for three months. And, uh, and he went and it was all over his Instagram feed and LinkedIn and everything. And that allows him to see this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to change things, right? Aaron, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Awesome. So I've heard you talk a lot about this idea of uh, elasticity in business. And uh, now more than ever, those ideas seem important. And I'm wondering if you can give me the shark tank elevator pitch of this. What exactly is elasticity in business and why do we need it? Well, I'll tell you from our own experience and the lesson that we learned uh, through our own uh, experience in building the company. And that was, you know, in the early days we would build a team, you know, because we were starting our company from a, a sheet of paper and figuring out what we need to do from the start. And we'd build a team based on what we thought we had to execute, right? So we need somebody who's going to be hungry, who's going to be scrappy, 
who wants to come in, get their hands dirty, roll up their sleeves and, and do the work of building a company. And then we did that. And those people did exactly what we thought they would do. And then a year in, you look around, you're like, okay, now we need people to help us build systems and, and do all this back office stuff and scale and help us build into another location. And you look around, you say, but none of these people can do it. So get some more people. So, <laughs> so you guys, <laughs> you guys aren't getting it done. We got to find some other people. So you go out and you find people who can scale and grow and develop and do other things. And then they come in. And then another year or so, you want to start a new location and, and you need somebody who's in that market, who's scrappy and can roll up their sleeves. And, and you go through these cycles and then you need people who can scale at this level and then at that level and, and in a, a different level and people who can manage themselves and then who can manage others and then who can manage others managing others. Right. And you, every time you get to another node in that process, you just get stuck. And you say, I got to go out and start all over again. <laughs> And that, to me, what we learned after doing this, you know, longer than we probably should have. <laughs> it's not as easy as it right. sounds. Yeah. It? I mean, nobody taps you on the shoulder and says like, hey, you idiot, you're going through this. Don't you realize you're doing <laughs> the same thing wheel. over and over? Right. It's, right. A, it's, a, it's a hamster wheel. But we were building at each step, at each process, every time we would do these huge sprints, we were building inelasticity. We were building an organization that couldn't scale with us because we were only looking at what was right in front of us. But when you look back over the history of the entire company, we were growing, you know, we had three-year growth rates, thousand percent more, you know, over several uh, three-year sequences, you know, thousand percent, twelve hundred percent, whatever. That's really steep growth. And you can't just keep reinventing, reinventing, reinventing. If you do, you'll find yourself in trouble very often because that, that love, that steep growth is going to always have you going back to the drawing board. So right. this idea of elasticity came from that because after doing this four or five or 10 times or whatever it was, we said... What do we need to, to, who do we need to hire and what do we need to teach them and what culture do we need to, to create so that the team that we have today can see the same challenges that we see and grow with us through the curve versus getting to a certain point where they, they try to stretch as much as they can and they break. You bring in more people, they stretch them and then they break. How do we build the elasticity that allows us all to stretch through the whole uh, uh, through the whole curve? And that was where that idea came from is that, that in order to, be able to grow at that clip. And I think that these days, that's not an uncommon story for a lot of companies, frankly. Right. Um, mm -hmm. It used to be this unique thing, but now it's, it, we're, we're in a world where it's pretty much grow or die these days. So, so that's just something that, that you have to take as a given that you're going to have to grow a lot. And grow flexibly. And grow right. flexibly. So what, do you, what are the practices you need to embrace? You know, who are the types of people you need to have on your team? What are the things you need to espouse and incentivize and so on? to build that elasticity in. And, and that was the core idea. So Aaron, what does an elastic organization look like? Or maybe a better way of putting this is um, how do you differentiate between an organization that's elastic versus uh, an elastic? So imagine this idea of this, uh, a semantic differential, if you will, where we just Ooh, describe. There's a, there's a word. That's a big one. <laughs> that's that's a good. Big one. Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's two poles on, the, on either side. And, and there's two different ways to think about resiliency. And, and one is this idea of being elastic. And the other one is this idea of being, you know, very rigid. Um, and you can imagine, so imagine a, a tree that gets, you know, the wind blows against the tree in it and it just sways in the wind. And you can mm -hmm. imagine another tree that's just a mighty oak that doesn't sway at all, but it just stands still. What we were trying to create was more the, the, the first case, right? Where there's going to be change, winds are going to blow, but we can't afford to just stick down and, and, and dig in roots because we don't know what the future is going to bring. We got to be able to bend through it and flex through it. But with most organizations in our peer group and most of the organizations that have been successful uh, in history, 
they wanted to emulate more of that latter case. The whole idea was to build mighty oak trees that, right. you know, the idea of being built to last and all that stuff was around. How do you just, mm, I'm here, <laughs> try to move me, right? Come right. at me. DuPont. DuPont, yes. right? Like, you know, General Motors right. and, you know, Standard Oil, like that was, that was the idea. So, you know, w now when you look at companies today, that stuff looks anachronistic. It looks out of place. The idea of having these huge hierarchical bureaucratic you know, every decision comes from the top and everybody, you know, is basically uh, almost a, you know, a militarized version of, of, of work and the idea that, you know, this is what we do and, and there's, you know, it comes from the top and, and you guys just carry out the orders and we make the decisions and you execute and this is marketing and this is strategy and everything is siloed. The elastic organization has got to be quite the opposite. It's one um, that's probably flatter. It's one where there are more uh, generalists or at minimum, more cross-functional people. It's one where decisions are made through operating principles, like, you know, how do you think through things and how do you solve problems collaboratively versus waiting for someone to just deliver the tablets from on high, right? right. The way that the culture expresses itself is going to be more about uh, the work and the mission and, and, and the enjoyment and, and, and pursuing that mission and going after it than it is just about the brand name, right? You remember, I mean, I grew up in, in Michigan, so you know, your uncle, he's, he's a Ford man. Like, that's it. Like, that's <laughs> right. the pride, right? Like, right, right, right. You know, you know or, or you were a pilot for Delta. Like that, that's the whole thing. It's not about the culture. It's just the name itself is the thing. Like you said, DuPont, right? It's like, you know, like that's the, you can almost picture the logo on some, on the back of somebody's jacket. That's not how it is now. People lead by telling you what problem they're solving and why they're excited and what, and what, you know, what binds them to companies is that. So we found that all these things were the hallmarks of being you know, more elastic. And, and, and that's what we had to emulate. We couldn't try to be, you know, the next huge monolithic auto dealership group from the 50s. Right. We had to create something that was more akin to what we saw in the marketplace. And that was these companies that, you know, bound people together by showing them that they were going to have a meritocracy that respected them and their views and allowed them to be who they were and had a problem that they wanted to solve and that they were excited about it and so on. And that's what was going to get us through those curves. Right. Well, I mean, even those big companies from the 50s are trying to do this now, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the, the, the idea of this ossification of the, the siloed things. I every like that big word, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. I, I, I appreciate a, a Harvard guy understanding the big word. But that idea of uh, siloed companies and all that, even, even the DuPonts of the world, they're trying to move away from that. So, I mean, it, it sounds great in theory. I think everybody recognizes that this is absolutely a mm -hmm. thing you need to be able to do to be flexible in this new world. But just because it sounds like a great idea doesn't mean it's easy to do. So how, how do you make this happen? How do you get there if you're new? And how do you get there if you're already ossified? You know, uh, one of the easiest ways, I think that, that if you boil all that down, the simplest model you can give is that, you know, if you want to get from here to there, the first thing you got to understand is where here is and where there is, right? Like, mm -hmm. that, you know, before you map out the, the route, that's the, that's the simplest step, right? And I think that the, that first piece, knowing where here is, you know, as with a lot of things, if you were to just go out and ask CEOs or anybody um, on a scale of one to 10, how, how elastic do you think you are, right? I mean, I think for most people, even self-aware people, even, even well-meaning good people would overestimate where they are. They'd probably right. articulate their aspiration more than their reality, 
right? Right, right. You've seen those studies where you ask a bunch, you ask a hundred people, hey, who who, do you, who thinks that they're in the top half of, of attractiveness or intelligent for this group, right? And then 80 of them raise their hand, right? right, like, right, right. You know, doctors, actually, uh, 95% of doctors think they're above average communicators. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah, well, it makes you wonder how bad are those other 5% that right. even they know that they suck. At right. Yeah. Oh, wow. At 90, and 85% of lawyers think they're exceptional. Yeah. So it's amazing. That's good. <laughs> that's amazing. So yeah. So exceptional, even being beyond above average or beyond average, right. It's like the, this idea that you're a couple standard deviations east of that. And that that's, but that's what you're up against, right. It's like that, that part of it is, is the ability to self-assess isn't, isn't very good. Self-awareness is, right. is harder than it right. sounds, mm-hmm. but you can look at uh, some of the choices that you've made. You can just, rather than just pure self-assessment, you can actually grade yourself on how actually, how things get done, how your company works. And you can ask some tough questions. For example, you can ask yourself, the last time uh, a difficult decision got made in my company, how was it made? So this is, this is an easy one to back test. You can go back when you decided to, uh, whether it was a reduction in force or, or a huge strategic challenge or, something, or a competitive challenge, how was the decision made? And you go back and you replay those conversations. And what was it? Was it a bunch of people waiting around to see what the CEO or the chairman had to say? Was it a bunch of vigorous debates that got passed around? Was it a survey? Like what, how did you make these big decisions. And you'll find, again, if, if you are the old 1950s DuPont, it probably had a certain flavor. Mm-hmm. Whereas these more elastic companies, you'll see. I just read a great article the other day, a, a company that was defining their back to work policy. And they did it by sending out a very detailed survey and taking a lot of great feedback. They did some focus groups with their team. And the CEO ultimately made the ultimate decision. So everybody got the right to weigh in, but they all didn't get the right to decide. Mm-hmm. But that Ooh. process of, I heard you say this, I heard you say that, I heard you say that. Hard to do all of those things, but <laughs> here's what we're going to do. And I've taken all that in. That's a relatively new idea. Like right. that's, yeah. not, that's not normal in this context. So if, if that person got this, this idea, if I asked them to self-assess and said, when's the last time you had to make a big gnarly decision like, how do we go back to work? They would pass that test by that measure. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of other folks that were like, yeah, we, we, we decided, we being the CEO and the head of HR, that enough was enough. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> yep. Go back in. Bring right. a mask. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. Just do it. Right. Just do it. Um, so, so I, I think that that's, that's a big part of it is can you self-assess? And you can think about who, how, how do you uh, decide who gets promoted? How do you decide... You know, what are the incentives? Like you can assess what you do and you can think about it in a different way that's more critical that helps you understand where you are along the spectrum. But I think once you do that, the harder part, which I think was, was your question, is once you do that, how do you get there? And I think that that's where you, you have to tackle these things one at a time. You can't go from, uh, you know, tell c- command from the top type management to, hey, we're going to do a survey tomorrow. If that's, if you've been, yeah. right? Like, right. like that's, Culture change is very hard. Yeah. Very hard. And, and, and it would be insincere. Year. I'd be super skeptical if, if, you know, we'd been operating a certain way and then all of a sudden somebody just puts in a slide and says, you know, free lunch on Fridays and here's a new survey. <laughs> right. Why don't you tell us what you'd like us to do? And you're like, no, I'm not telling you. <laughs> yeah. right. There's no trust there. Why would no. you even be honest? No. Absolutely. But, um, but you can certainly build the roadmap. Uh, towards because it's it's clear once you've are, once you have a clear sense on where you fall in that spectrum, moving the process of moving from one pole towards the other um, is easier than just saying we're here and then we're trying to, we're going to be there. Well, I like this idea of where are we now and where are we going to go because that's going to be different for a, a beginning company versus a more established company, right? Yeah. And so what you're going to do if you're a beginning company is you're going to build this in 
from the beginning. And if you're a more established company, you're going to have to, you know, do some culture change. But it's it's a, a matter of this knowing where you are and knowing where you want to go. So so I have a really specific question about elasticity. How do you measure it? How do you measure it so that you know where you are trying to go and whether or not you're meeting those benchmarks? Yeah, I, I think that 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 that's a key, right? So it's like you know th- this idea of of being able to measure, you know, let's say there's units, right? So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm five elasties and I want to be 10. I think that's the, you know. <laughs> What's an elastic measure? You know, right, like, you know. <laughs> and I think, I think that's the, that's the holy grail. And it's, I think that the, the temptation to want to measure things, you know, um, in, in dollars or in headcount, I, I think that's, I think that's the right notion. But I think that this is one where you back into it from other symptoms, right? So, um, you know, Who's getting churned out of the organization? Who's being drawn into the organization? How well are we weathering massive changes? You know, how disruptive is change to our business? Like in, in our case, hmm. I can't measure the elasties in the case, in the example I told you, but I did know that in the beginning, I had a lot more churn and turnover. Growth was a lot more painful for us right. in those first four or five years than it has been in the last four or five. In fact, we've been a lot more stable you know, you can look around the room and see the same faces because we did a better job of priming them and thinking about what change looks like and attracting people who wanted those types of challenges and building in these norms into our culture that we started to see that payoff on the back end. So some of it was just looking around and saying like, wow, do you see these big whipsaw effects where you, after a big change, you look around and nobody's there because they're all burnt out and spent. Right. And are you exhausted from trying to lead people from the front, back and side because you can't figure out any other way to get them over the hill? So I think those are the types of uh, data points that you have to look at and say, yeah, you're probably not elastic enough, right? And and the same idea, you know, I, I, I like the idea of elasticity as a concept because it's analogous to so many other things, but but you think about muscle elasticity, right? So mm-hmm. one of the ways you know how flexible you are, yeah, there's the can you touch your toes and those kind of tests, but the other way is how sore are you after after a light workout, right? So you're, <laughs> you're kind of talking about elasticity, not like it's a single thing, but like it's a folder, mm-hmm. right? There's a folder that we want to make all the measures in this folder positive in a way that we can say we are moving in the direction we want to move. That's, I think that's, that's exactly right. Uh, you know, there's, there's this, it's, it's an aspiration, right? So we want to be, you know, I think the idea. It's of, a proxy. It's a proxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's something that we're trying to move towards and, and we're moving towards it, not just for its own sake, but because we recognize that those old ways, like you, and, and, and the face of rapid growth, which I think is the norm. Mm. then hopefully that, that, if you're doing it right if you're doing exactly. it right. right but if you but even if you, if you aren't growing the, the the fact that just growth and change is happening in, in the environment in the world it's just ambient right like that's just what's happening if you can't meet those changes that way then you're going to break right that's mm-hmm. you know when things are inelastic and you put them under pressure then then they break so that's that's the only, that's the only choice you have is you have to find a way to move from that pole towards more elasticity. So it's, it's a challenge that you're going to have to wrestle with either by default, as you said, designing it in on day one and making sure that you tend to it, which I think is its own challenge, or you'll find out the way that we did when, you know, you're on the brink and you say, well, I, I can't keep doing it like this because I, I can't continue to grow this way. So I'll have to find it later on. But, but it's, it's, the chickens are going to come home to roost at some point. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I have just one last question. So you're, I know that you've spoken on this and I know that you've, you've, you've done some amazing things business-wise and, uh, and going out and, and doing lots of talks. So are people receptive to this? Do they understand? I mean, it seems like everyone understands the concept, but is there any pushback or is everyone, everyone you've talked to must say, that's a great idea. Help us do it. Or are there people like, no, nah, I don't think that's a good idea. 
good question. <laughs> not to my face. Uh, <laughs> 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 not <laughs> twice. <Yeah. laughs> they say that's great, and then they just don't do it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> but listen, there's, there's, so there's two, there's two main camps, and when I think about the folks that I talked to about this, uh, one camp is, and you already talked about it, these are the folks that have, they're big. They know that they need to do this. Right. They're looking for tactics. They're looking for, you know, for advice. They, yeah, they, they can already see the inefficiencies in their siloed, mm-hmm. in their siloed model. I mean, exactly. it's, it's there on the bottom line. They can see the inefficiencies. And so exactly. they know that they need to do something. I've just never heard it called elasticity before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 I think, and I think on that side, you know, those folks, they're, they're, they're motivated. They're, they're, they're ready to do it. Um, the, the challenge for them becomes that the things that you have to excel at in order to pull this off, in order to pull off that switch from one pole to the other, are by definition things that you haven't done well. So it's going to be uncomfortable oh. for everybody. Oh, that's good. So learning how to get comfortable with being, that discomfort is, is part of the challenge, right? Yeah. On the other side, it's folks that haven't done anything yet. And if you're starting from the beginning, and you, even, if I, even if you buy into the idea that you have to design this in, you never have the counterfactual of what would it be like if I didn't. Right. So you can lose that motivation because you don't see the pain points and you can actually hunger for something that's simpler because guess what? It's simpler to just, you know, command and control, tell people how it's going to be right. Like mm-hmm. it's easier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not as beneficial. So, so on that side, you're worried about somebody falling into the familiar traps because that's what we grew up with, right? That's school. That's, I mean, that's everything that we know is, you know, it's because I said so, and this is where we're going and, and just follow me. But so on that side, it's more, how do you get them to maintain the motivation and, and, and give them a mirror so that they can see how important it is in real time? It's almost right. unlearning behavior. Right. Yeah. And I, so I when, you're, right. when you're going out and you're giving talks, you're helping people understand exactly what it is they need to do to do this. Yeah. It, it, a lot of this work is around teaching people the symptoms, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, if, if I can convince you of the, if I can show you the symptoms and, and it gets more power, the more you do this, if I can go out and talk to, you know, a printing company or, you know, a, a fintech or anything, I can go in different industries and I can have the same conversation that, and, and I can talk to their problems, you know, and it's got this predictive power. It's like that, that catches your attention say, wow, if this guy's seen this everywhere, right. mm-hmm. maybe this thing, this thing that we thought was just us is related to that. So, so that, that sparks the curiosity, gives you the motivation. And, and I think that's, that's a big part of this work is helping you understand and diagnose those symptoms. Mm-hmm. The prescription part, is a bit more nuanced because it depends on your specific situation. There are some things that some companies do better than others. And, 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 and that's something you have to, you have to measure out. And that goes back to that self-diagnosis. Uh, uh, Where are you now? Exactly. You but, but if, but the biggest part is, is teaching you those symptoms because they're the ones, even if you're motivated, you might not realize how deeply this thing goes, right? Mm-hmm. But that there are other things that are being impacted by this inelasticity. You know, one of my favorite examples is that idea of, you know, did you know that you can get heart disease by not, you know, cleaning your teeth regularly? And it's like, no, right. <laughs> like, right. why, why would I know that? Right, right, right. Like, they're my teeth. Or in, or in business, you have uh, Kodak, right? Mm-hmm. The Kodak thought that they were in one business and it turned out they were in a different business. And then Instagram came around, you know, or, do you remember that was Kodak versus Fuji? I remember this, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, we thought that was the battle and it turned out <laughs> No, that is not the battle at all. It's Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. and they're and they're they're gone because they weren't elastic. They didn't even have the capacity to check what it was they were really doing. You know, one of the Kodak case is one of one of our favorite examples, quite literally, um, because you know, and it, and it's easy to cherry pick and point back at where people mm-hmm. messed up. But but this but what's interesting about the Kodak case is that you know, for somebody in our for my daughter who's three and a half, um, the idea 
of having literally terabytes of photographs on a phone is not at all unusual. But for you and I who grew up with Polaroids and waving them and, you know, going to CVS and waiting three weeks to get our 24 exposures <laughs> right. from our vacation, right. that idea was ridiculous. Yeah. And, but, but th- this idea of elasticity and the, and the ability to suspend your disbelief and, and ha- you know, have conversations and think about how people are using, uh, how people are, are, are creating and using images and things like that, they give you some of that uh, clairvoyance, right? To be able to look in the future and say, oh, you know, th- these are the conversations you have. But when you have this command and control protect the core. This right. is who we are. That's all we're ever going to be. Like it gets harder to have those conversations because it's, it's impossible that nobody at Kodak had that notion. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, good point. But it's, how does it get circulated uh, throughout the organization? And how does it get acted on that when you have that insight? Right. So it's almost like if you're not elastic, you can't innovate. You're just going to be frozen in time. Totally. Because the, the people that you bring on to help you be successful are people who did just that. That's what we saw, right? It's like at, in the beginning, I need people who can sell cars. Now I need people who can manage people who can sell cars. But where do you look to find those people? You look in other organizations where they've done that. But the thing I really need people to do was help me build a business. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. right. Where, where the core activity is selling and, you know, selling cars. But like what I really need to do is build a thing that's totally different. And where do you find those people? Like, those are hard people to find. And, and, and for the most part, they're probably off doing that if, mm-hmm. if they have those skills. So now you have to try to teach people how to do that alongside you so that they can be helpful or else they're going to, they're going to eventually test out mm-hmm. and, and not be able to contribute. So, so th- this whole idea of what, what's the school of thought or, or what are the, the, the traits that make you successful? They're not just knowing your stuff or knowing what we thought the stuff was before. It's knowing how to think about the stuff and helping mm-hmm. us predict the new stuff and, and, and moving down the path that way. That's awesome. Aaron, thank you. I think, uh, I, I mean, that was just perfect. Uh, I, I think I understand this concept now. <laughs> awesome. I, I, I've, I've, heard, I've heard the concept called other things, but I don't know that I've ever seen it or uh, heard it described so clearly as something that you want to build in from the very beginning. And if yeah. you don't have it, get started right away figuring it out. Exactly. And if you are interested in booking Aaron for your next keynote or event, um, please reach out to me. I'm Laura Bowser, Director of Evolve Productions. My email is laura at envoyportfolio.com. And Aaron speaks on uh, an array of topics, including innovation, growth, um, entrepreneurship, and culture change. So um, he would be fantastic at your next event. And he's a lot of fun. And he's fun. (laughs) All right, everybody. Hey, thanks, man. This was awesome. Thank Thank you. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I enjoyed it. Okay. And we're going to hit the record button now. Visit reinventionpodcast.com for transcripts and other free resources.